This podcast is brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the Bet Rivers app from the App Store or Google Play Store. Must be 21. Available in Ohio only. Void where prohibited. Terms and conditions apply. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Sports gaming is provided in partnership with Dayton Real Estate Ventures, LLC, DBA, Hollywood Gaming at Dayton Raceway. If you're a tennis fan, you'll love betting weekly game bet match on the Bet Rivers Network. Whether you're a better or just love tennis, you'll enjoy the in-depth analysis each week of the tennis calendar. Subscribe to Game Bet Match today from your favorite podcast provider. It's the Mike Francesa Podcast on the Bet Rivers Network. Hello again, everybody, and welcome to the Mike Francesa Podcast, brought to you by the good folks at Bet Rivers. And remember, for all your wagering needs, it's Bet Rivers in New York and New Jersey. Play Sugar House in Connecticut. Uh, this is a long time coming. As a matter of fact, it ends a question that was one of the most asked questions ever on sports radio, and that is, why isn't Joe Klecko in the Hall of Fame? Uh, it took a very long time for him to get there, but you know what? Sometimes people have to wait for uh, good things. He was only the. It was always said that it was he was the only player. Uh, it was unearthed that he was the only, second player to make the Pro Bowl three different positions. Evidently, Frank Gifford did it too, and he was a multiple player on offense. Uh, Klecko did that. He was part of the New York Sack Exchange. He had some amazing seasons. A very strong guy, a sixth rounder out of Temple, who went on to. Uh, Fame and fortune with the Jets, has his number retired, and he joins us now. Joe, welcome. How are you? Hi, Mike. Long time no talk. Good. Nice to talk to you. Congratulations, Joe. And I, I know this. I, I've learned this through the years. Um, I'm always amazed how overcome people are about the Hall of Fame. They say they won't be, um, but maybe it's the time period that goes by. Maybe it's the last big acknowledgement you're going to ever get as an athlete after getting so many through many years. You don't think about it when you're playing. But even Harry Carson, who was bitter about it, was overwhelmed when it happened. I'm sure when you got the word, uh, the knock from Joe Namath, it was an emotional time. Oh, you know, it, it, it really was. And the thing about it, though, when 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 they actually was coming to the door, my my daughter made a great excuse for me to stay home because uh, she said, "No, Dad, you got to be here. Somebody's coming for me. I got to do this. They've got to see you." I said, "Okay." So we thought. I really thought my they had ordered DoorDash, you know, for lunch. I'm answering the door thinking it's a guy coming with food. <laughs> here it's the Hall of Fame with Joe Namath. It was an when I opened the door, it was exhilarating, man. I mean, really beyond beyond words. It was cool, and of course, it being Joe, and you know, Joe's an icon of icons, uh, and what a great guy we all know that. Uh, it was it was a, it was a, a surprise to no end to see him there. Joe, some things, some arguments, some things in sports life take on a life of their own. You and the Hall of Fame took on a life of its own. It became a debating point forever. It was talked about all the time on talk radio. It was always a discussion. How is Klecko not in the Hall of Fame? How Living through that, what was that like for you all these years? Well, you know, Mike, really, you know, the expectations – we're always there in the very beginning, you know, because once I got out, I was on the ballot, which was really cool, you know, and I, you know, kind of just saying to yourself, well, 
these people are thinking of me to maybe be in the Hall of Fame. You know, that's the first level of it, you know. And then as it goes on and on, and, you know, I, I would hear from guys, uh, like Joe DeLamore called me one year, and, and then uh, uh, Anthony Munoz called me one year, and, you know, being talked about, and Anthony's involved in the Hall of Fame out there because he's from a while, him and his son both. And, you know, I, was, I would always hear that, Joe, God, you were so close. And then the reporters, when I got into the um, senior side, uh, in, away from the current day players, you know, uh, Gary Myers was on the voting on the senior side the last, I believe, five years or so. And, you know, he would call me and say, Joe, I really think we have a great chance. And, you know, it didn't happen, didn't happen. Then finally, you know, after all those, I think we have a chances, you know, I didn't get any, I didn't get excited about it anymore. You know, listen, I'm a firm believer in the, in the God's God's rule. And if it was to happen, it would be his way. It would be great. If not, you know, I'm going to get up and go to work in the morning. You know, it's, it was that way with me. And I was, you know, I was resolved already that it was out of my hands. But then when it happened, you know, it's like, it's just it's it's beyond explanation, really, because, you know, everybody tries to put it in words and it's very hard to put in words. The feeling inside is so overwhelming and jubilant that, you you know, I mean, crying, yelling, you can't express it, you know, you know, to be elected to the pro football hall of fame that has a ring of its own it's pretty amazing no question i mean joe's number was retired with the jets and they have very few numbers retired he's also in the ring of honor he had gotten plenty of awards during his life you know he had been all all pro he had been on the pro in a pro bowl many times he was player of the year uh and had some incredible seasons including a 20 sack season you know uh people might not only in history now know about the sack exchange uh having lived through that there was a time and jet fans of this ilk might not realize that there was a time when you guys were a dominant team and as a matter of fact were probably talent wise the best team in the league just didn't win yeah you know i I often say that about i really it recalls the same feelings I had back then as the team of nowadays, really. These are a bunch of young guys who, with great talent. And, and that was proven by the awards that were winning, that were won at the, uh, yep. at the banquet for the NFL. But, you know, when we were playing back there, you know, we were just a bunch of guys. Within three years, all of us were drafted together, except Randy Rasmussen, who was uh, – a, a hangover from the uh, uh, the uh, Hall of Fame, I mean, from the Super Bowl, which was good for us. But, you know, all we knew how to do was play hard. And, you know, every time, you know, you realize it now that the first time we had a chance, we lost in the AFC Championship game to Miami uh, to go to the Super Bowl. We said, that's all right, we'll get it next year. And then it didn't come. It didn't come. You know, it, you don't realize how hard it is to get there. But, you know, as a team, you know, uh, we were a force to be reckoned with. I mean, when, when it was third and long, uh, you know, quarterbacks used to be jittery because they knew we were coming. You no know? question. And, I mean, you guys were—you guys were unbelievable. I mean, you know, all of you just unbelievable <laughs> as a dominant front. And were the team? 
I mean, I remember Al Davis and the Raiders didn't want any part of you guys. I mean, and obviously we know what happened in Miami. We know all the things that went on. There were times when that team was the best team in the league. I mean, obviously what happened in Cleveland, what happened in Miami. I mean, you know, sometimes things have to break right. Flag has to go the right way to win a Super Bowl. I mean, you see that this year with Kansas City. I mean, they got two flags in the last two games that really, really helped them uh, win a championship. I mean, so, you know, it makes it makes a big difference. But. Going back with you, you were one of those guys who, sixth rounder, coming out of Temple. Now, you had a big-time coach because Wayne Harden, who people might not realize, coached Roger Starbuck at Navy, coached you at Temple, was really an underrated coach. Yeah, I mean, not, not for Coach Harden is in the Hall of Fame, College Hall of Fame. Yep. And there, you don't get there for no reason at all, you know? I mean, who? how many coaches really get this case, coach? Two Heisman winners, you know, yep. Bellino and Stallback, yep. you know, and uh, uh, having his uh, expertise, for lack of a better word, to show you and to, uh, you know, get into your head about, listen, this is what you need to do to go forward and get better and things like that. It was it was really a, a good thing for us as players and especially me. You know, when I started getting, you know, recognition and things like that, uh, it was it was a good thing. I had a guy like Coach Harden there to basically, you know, kind of guide me through the rough roads of it. He goes, you know, don't expect this, expect this. Those things are really good to have around when you have that experience of a person leading you. I mean, you were people, and I realize, I mean, you were a sixth round pick, and to become the kind of star you were, I mean, you became a big star. You were a perennial pro bowler. You made it three different positions. You were a player of the year. You were all pro a couple of times. I mean, you really hit it big as a sixth rounder. Yeah, I mean, you know, it was funny, Mike. You know, back then, of course, in the seven, late 70s, we were not recognized. You know, it was the Steelers' run at that time, yep. and they were the greatest team out there. And, you know, the, the coverage of us, and even out of college, you know, you don't even – you know, and anything about the players nowadays, I mean, then compared to nowadays. And uh, I remember talking to Dan Sikanovich, who was our uh, uh, defensive line coach. And I said to him, you know, my first two years were real good. And I said to him, I said, Dan, I said, how the hell am I going to make the Pro Bowl? And he said, Joe, he said, you're not going to have to worry about the Pro Bowl. He says, you're going to have to worry about the Hall of Fame. And that like little light bulb up in me, like, wow, even to be thought about in that way, you know, drove me even more. How about, Joe, the idea of the sack exchange and the for you? Very different guys, uh, obviously dealing with uh, a guy who was, let's be honest, uh, from another planet in Gastineau. Um, you had, you know, the for you. Uh, what about the relationship among the guys on the New York sack exchange? Well, you know, of course, everybody knows that Mark and I were like uh, oil and water, yep. you know, and and the thing about it was is uh, during the playing days and stuff, we, we weren't best of friends. And it's well documented and both of us realize it, you know, but, you know, Marty and Abdul, there was a great, great feeling to you. You know, defense is played under typical conditions, you know, keep your lanes, do this. And if you don't do those things, that's where cracks open in, open up in the defense. We 
sustained those rules plus got after him so good. People understand that's hard to do, you know, and Abdul and Marty kept those, those lines and protected us in the middle and Mark and I could do our thing and to work as we worked together as four guys, you know, and, and it really made a difference in our defense. It was great. You know, amazingly, Joe, it, it amazed me how long it took you to get in from the standpoint of what people said about you. When they, when you heard from, you mentioned Delama Law, two of the greatest linemen of all time, Anthony Munoz, who I think is as good a tackle as ever lived, and Stevenson, who is as good a center as ever lived. Stevenson said you were the best guy he ever went up against, and Munoz said you were the strongest guy he ever went up against. So when you hear guys like that talk about a player on that level, it shouldn't even be a conversation. Well, you know, when you say that, I say that to people. And after these guys have said those things, that is a terrifically gratifying feeling alone without any accolades of hall of fame and pro and all that goes with it. You know, it's a, it's really wonderful to hear from guys you played against that put you on that pedestal. And, you know, I knew about the hall of fame, as far as getting in there, Joe Delamalur told me one year that, uh, you know, when he made it, the, the hall actually keeps one person from the previous year for the voters to bounce things off of, you know, for memory, this past year was Dick Vermeil, and that year was Joe D. And Joe Joe said to me, one of the reporters said to him, well, Joe, you know, what did he play? Was he an end? Was he a tackle? Or was he no tackle? And Joe had the perfect comment. He says, who gives a damn? He, dominate, he dominated every position he played. That's it. You know, so that was the kind of things that hung me up a little bit, you know. But, uh, you know, and the Dick Vermeil. Dick Vermeil had a great one that they told me in the meeting when they were going for the final vote and they asked him the question, you know, about, well, Dick, what about Joe? And he goes, listen, when we played against Joe, we had a game plan for him because at nose tackle, he was disruptive at end. He was a force. He goes, but you know, he, um, he identified me as a player like Aaron Donald today. And of course, Aaron Donald may be one of the best, of the five defensive linemen ever to play. And that really woke a lot of people's eyes open when a person with the credentials of Dick Vermeil said that. It really was a great thing for me. We're talking with Joe Klecko, who goes into the Hall of Fame, and deservedly so after all these years. Now, Jets right now, you mentioned both rookies winning. I mean, Swiss Gardner was great. I mean, he, he was great in college. I thought he was a no-brainer. Wilson had a great year. I thought I was a little surprised he won on offense considering the quarterback situation. And right now we all know the jets are loaded on defense. They have some really good offensive players with Wilson with hall. If he comes back healthy at running back. All right. They got to beef up the offensive line. And now all this talk and interesting, you have an interesting take on Aaron Rodgers. I figure, Hey, I know Aaron Rodgers is, Another guy was from Mars, okay? He has to go far into the darkness for four days to come out before he makes a decision. He's also make, getting paid only $151 million in the next three years. I mean, so it's a tough thing to make a decision on where you're going to play when you're making $151 million. Um, we all know he's great. We all know he's a little loony. Uh, you don't think he's a great fit for the Jets, though? Yeah. 
I, I believe that that's that's a tremendous fact of you know playing with guys. Listen, I, I, again, I relate it back to when we were playing. You know, you know, all of us. Richard Todd, you know, Marty Markai, uh, Marvin Powell, uh, Scott Durkee, guys that, you know, names of the past to come up, were all that nucleus of a three-year draft time, and we were a tight-knit because of that. And for, you know, listen, you can even watch body language. You know more than anybody's what I'm talking about here. When you see the body language of, of other players talking to other players, you don't even have to see their lips move. You get what they're trying to convey. And I think Rogers has done that over the years with his receivers about, you know, run the route, yep. you know, you know, you know, all these things. And I don't think, you know, a guy with, for lack of a better word, the attitude of, I know it all, you got to listen to me, that kind of attitude won't fit with these young guys. But, you know, I don't ever see Derek Carr doing that. That's why I like him better for the Jets as a fit. I mean, he's a two-time Pro Bowler. He's got great statistics already. Okay, can he fit with the New York Jets in the system that I don't know at what it's going to be like now with Hackett? But I don't, you know, I see him fitting with the players better. I can see him putting his arm around the guys and really feeling comfortable with them. I just don't see that with Rodgers. Hey, listen, I think it's a very fair point. And a quarterback, ha- you know, one of the things Tom Brady did. He bought in when he went to Tampa. He went to high schools and threw with the guys. He went and met with all the receivers. He bought into the whole system. He wasn't bigger than the system. He bought into the system. So what you're saying, it makes plenty of sense. It's a very fair point of view. The only question is, can you find anybody who can play the position as well as he can play it? That's the question. Oh, yeah, I mean, listen, there, like, see, but there, there's the, there's the, you, you take, you take a guy like Wilson, or he made rookie of the year. And now he's, you know, uh, He's not getting the ball a lot, okay? Yep. So in his mind as a rookie, you know, he's going, listen, you need to get it over here with me. And Rodgers is going to say the complete opposite. That's a problem, okay? Now, if you have a guy that will feed into it with you, like, you know, okay, listen, all right, listen, we're going to make this on you. I'm going to get it to you. You know, I, I, you know, listen, I may be speaking out of place because I don't know Rogers behind closed doors with his teammates, but I, I, I think as a as an ex player, I see a lot of things like I say in body language, and I believe that you know I believe that these guys need they need more pats on the backs as youngsters, even if they are as good as they are. You know, I need they need more pats on the back as youngsters than a veteran would. I think it's a good point. We're talking with the Hall of Famer, and it's nice to say uh, Joe Klecko. And here's a, he mentioned finding out from Joe Namath, who is a wonderful guy. And, and, you know, having interviewed Joe plenty of times and known him for a long time, it's amazing how good a guy he is because people don't realize, unless you're old enough, Joe Namath was like the Beatles. I mean, he was that big. I mean, he made the NFL. (laughs) And he said this week he would be fine with Aaron Rodgers wearing his number 12 with the Jets, which is a very generous thing for for a guy like Namath, who is a god, to say. You know, listen, and back to the point of making that decision, that's Joe Douglas and, you know, of course, the coach and – so that for for you know that doesn't surprise me with Joe Namath. You know what I mean? You know, you know he called the the win and and all that in in the Super Bowl and everything like that. And again, he's been a modest guy over the years. You know, 
I would see Joe giving that up and do it. I, I mean, again, like you said, Mike, though, after all these years, you know, Joe saying that, that's a big compliment. No, you know, it, it is. Really Absolutely. Is. And, and, yeah. and and it really is very generous on his part. You know what? The other thing I noticed, Joe, through the years is there's two things about the Hall of Fame. One that Joe Torrey told me, the Hall of Fame is different for, in, in this day and age, it is really a business. I mean, you become... Oh, yeah. It's a, it's a way for players. He said, I always told players, he said, I remember Joe Torrey told me, I sat Robinson Cano down and said, listen, make the Hall of Fame. The Hall of Fame is like you're incorporating for the rest of your life. It's a business that doesn't go away. People don't realize what the Hall of Fame means to players in terms of them getting speeches, getting making money and endorsements and everything else. It's a very, very nice way to print money for the rest of your life making the Hall of Fame. Well, <laughs> Mike, from your lips to God's ears. That's it's true. <laughs> I know, no, I know. I and and it really yeah. makes, and people don't see that. And a lot of players, I understand, don't need it, but some people do. But it's nice. The other thing I noticed is how much it means to the people who are in your life, the, fa- the, the family people. When you go there and you have your day, I'm amazed at how much it means, you know, to the fam- your whole family, whoever they are, whatever your family is, whatever your friends are that you've kept through the years who travel to see this. It means a tremendous amount to the extended family of that person who gets in. It really is a very special time. Oh, you know, and, and, and the things we went through out there in Arizona as 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 the group going in for 2023, you know, that we were experiencing, you know, from the standpoint of, you know, recollection, uh, it, even there it was unbelievable. OK. And, you know, and, and Jim Porter keeps telling me, the president of the hall, he says every day he is wait till tomorrow, Joe, you'll see this, this and this. And I had my daughter with me, and you know, she and she said to me as we were walking away, when it goes, Dad, how much better can it get? You know, you're on the NFL awards. He goes, I said, Katie, I said, if you did, you notice how the guys act? I mean, there were 50 Hall of Famers there with us, and we went in a room together, and here we are introducing ourselves, and then introducing us, and the way they make you feel. Okay, is really good because, you know, when you go to a team, when you're actually playing football, the team that, you know, they kind of stand off and takes a while for some guys to get warmed, you know, not here. It's a whole different attitude with guys in the Hall of Fame to the guys that come in. It really is gracious. It's accepting. And and, you know, after we left this weekend, you know, Porter said to me, he goes, Joe, he goes, he goes, you know, buckle your seatbelt. When you come to Canton, that week is going to be so unbelievable. He goes, do everything you can to fill it up in your mind to remember. And a gold jacket, you know, what's for life? And the other thing, Joe, is to, when you think about it, you know, I always say this because it gets brought up for they, people ask people like me, is this guy a Hall of Famer or is this guy a Hall of Famer? Is that guy a Hall of Famer? And I say, listen, when I say a guy isn't a Hall of Famer, it's not a knock. It's so many people had wonderful careers and it's, it's for the best of the best. It's less than 1% of the players who become hall of famous. Think about that. 99% of the players who pass through, you have to be great to step on a professional field in any sport. I've always told my kids that you don't realize the guy who's the worst guy is so good. 
is so yeah. talented that you just yeah. have great respect for them. That's what I've always told them, no matter who they are, because you don't understand how hard it is just to be there for a day. And then when you make the Hall of Fame, you are that 1% of all those players. Hey, it's, it's, a, it's a great feat. It's only for very special players, and now you're one of those. Yeah, I mean, I have a friend of mine. I asked him to do me a favor. He's an analytic guy. And I said to him, I guess, how many Division One football players leave college with the expectations of playing? Okay, okay. How many percentage actually make it out of all of them? Then you go, um, well, Jim Porter told me that out of 29,000 guys who played in the NFL, 371 are now in the Hall of Fame. That's that's 0.0.2. You know, it's yep. it's so low, it's ridiculous. Yep. And and when you really sit think about it, it you know, you feel like a member of the greatest uh, uh, department in the world of people because that's a low percentage as far as being accepted. No question. That's why it's you know it's it's never a slight. And I understand that when you're one of those guys and you think that you had a career of if you do. Now, I don't know if you felt all these years, hey, you know, I never heard you have a chip on your shoulder. I've heard guys have a chip on their shoulder about not getting in. I know guys who have a chip on their shoulder about not getting in. I had guys who came to me in anger and said, I am never even going to look at this thing again when they didn't get in. I mean, they were that disappointed. Yeah. I know guys who didn't get in the first time and were furious they didn't get in. So it affects a lot of people different ways. Did you ever have anger? Did you ever had real frustration on a year where you didn't get in? Mike, I'm going to tell you the honest to God's truth, no. The reason being is that, is, you know, I have a very high belief in God. I'm one of them great Catholic boys. And I believe that God's will is God's will. And it's the it's to be. And every time I walked away and uh, I wasn't accepted into it and all, you know, I said, listen, it's not up to me. It's up to the big man upstairs. And that's how I looked at it. And really, that's what kept my sanity from, you know, I remember, you know, in businesses, something would go wrong. I'd be really absolutely, you know, mad about it. But this is something, again, I told you earlier in this conversation about Having great players like Delamore, um, Munoz, and 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 uh, you know those guys. Yep. As far as just being accepted by the best of the best, there's a reward in that also. You know, so you know, uh, I was very calm about it. I was, but I'm gonna tell you what. When it, when it finally came, wow! I mean, just wow! It's so exhilarating. Well, you know, um, as I said before, the Jets have very few. Retired numbers. Obviously, Namath and Maynard, Curtis Martin, Klecko, and Dennis Bird, five guys. They're debating about Revis now, who they, it, the question is, and it's been debated, did he play enough games with the Jets? That, that's a good question the Jets will have to answer. Um, obviously, he was a, a, a great player, too. Um, and, you know, we know he's going to the Hall of Fame. So, the bottom line is they can make that decision. I don't know how he feels about that himself, uh, but five guys only. I mean, that was something very special anyway. The Ring of Honor is special. Five guys and, yeah, absolutely. you know, yeah. with a retired number uh, in the history of a franchise was that. And now the icing on the cake, the Hall of Fame. So, you know, it, you know, good things come to those who wait. You waited a long time for this, and I'm glad it happened while you were still here to enjoy it. 
Yeah, that was one thing, you know. Uh, the last couple guys that went in, except for Drew Pearson, you know, Kenny Stabler, uh, Cliff Branch, you know, uh, uh, you know, they they they're deceased, and you know, they they don't get to, their family does in a way, but you know, they don't get to enjoy it, and uh, you know, to to be elected, like like you just said, it, it's a really it's a wonderful thing because you know, three of my children alone we had after. Uh, after I was done playing, you know, right. and they never seen me play. And it was funny, Mike, when we got to uh, Arizona, where my daughter and I flew out and we got off the plane and, you know, I got mobbed, you know, and everybody for autographs and stuff. And they said, Dad, how did they know? I said, I don't know. They, they find these things out. But she had never been around that. I mean, I go to the games and everybody knows you because you're a jet and you're in the jet world at that time. But here I'm flying in Arizona and, you know, it, the, the, the people went bonkers and were all over me for a while. And uh, it, it's really something that uh, I'm enjoying because of that. You know, uh, it's such a family thing. It really is, you know. And, uh, you know, with Danny who played, you know, and how excited he was for me. You know, I think all the kids were in more tears than I was about hearing it. It's and and it really, that, that, it, that really is good and it's great for your family and for you. Because, like, a perfect example this year. On this year's list, folks, two guys who were going in, Ken Riley, who was a wonderful cornerback, and Don Coriel, who was the father of a lot of this passing offense. Air Coriel was one of, was a breakthrough offense when he was uh, the head coach, you know, uh, in the NFL and, and went to the great passing game. Uh, they're deceased. You have Zach Thomas and Demarcus Ware. You have Revis. You have Rondé Barber, and you have the great Chuck Howley uh, from the Dallas Cowboys. So uh, it's a very distinguished group, and of course Joe. So two deceased guys getting in this year, and that makes it even more special that you're here because you know I, something's lacking when that happens. You don't want to see that happen to anybody, uh, and that's why it's 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 such a positive thing for you and your family. And this year's group is a very distinguished group. It really is. Well, you know, again, that part, like you're saying, being being here to actually enjoy it with everyone, it is a tremendous jolt. You know, I, you know, you were talking about, you know, it it's a it's a thing you can really take advantage of being in the Hall of Fame and all. And I was talking to Howie. Harry Long, who's of course been a big pro a proponent of mine for so long, and we're good friends. Yep. You know, and he said, finally, he goes, and, it, and I called him when I was out there, and he lives out there, and he goes, uh, I texted him, I said, can, can, I can, can you talk? And uh, he called me back, he goes, you're a made man now. I can't, I can't avoid talking to you. So it was a good comment. So yeah, it's, it's, it's really Mike. It's, it's the, it's the thing that is above all, you know, you, you keep your, your, your ideas of things that have happened to you over your life enough, but this one sits there all by itself above it all. Well, listen, congratulations. You'll, I know you'll enjoy the year. And again, like I said, this had a life of its own for many, many years, and now it doesn't anymore, Joe Klecko. No longer we have to debate whether he was a Hall of Famer. And I never heard anybody say you weren't. I mean, I never heard anybody on the other side. Everyone was like, hey, I don't know if it's the three positions. I don't know what it was that the Jets you know, weren't looked at as a great team in that era. Whatever it was, Joe deserved it. I mean, Joe was dominant. What I always look at myself is, was a player dominant? And if the player was dominant for enough years, he's a Hall of Famer, and you were a dominant 
I saw your whole career. You were a dominant, dominant football player and are very deserving of this. So congratulations. Mike, I appreciate it, and I really mean this, coming from a guy with, you know, your background, your expertise, and, you know, without a doubt, I really appreciate that. And, uh, again, I, I, I kind of, you know, they're talking about, you know, the Hall of Fame game being the Jets and the Browns. It's not set in stone, but I think that's the, the scuttlebutt out there. Is going oh, how to be. nice would that so, be? That would be great. Yeah, so, you know, I was saying about the people from New York, we're going to make uh, Canton, Ohio – New York West, at least for that weekend. It's going to be real cool. Good. Enjoy it, Joe, and congratulations. Thanks, Mike. Take care. Joe Klecko, one of the newest members of the Hall of Fame and uh, a guy who richly deserved it and, uh, and was every bit a dominant player as the uh, anchor of the New York Sack Exchange and a guy who did make the Pro Bowl three different positions, which had only been done by Frank Gifford ever. Back after this. You're listening to the Mike Francesa podcast on the Bet Rivers Network. Now, remember, uh, podcast uh, later this week, we will have Bobby Valentine. We'll start to make the move towards baseball. Remember, we have plenty of NCAA tournament stuff coming up as we count the days down to the conference tournaments, to the one and done tournaments that get the teams eliminated. And this year, I'll tell you, there are some big name programs that are going to have to do some big things in March. Villanova is going to have to win the Big East to get in. Kentucky's either going to have to go on a rampage or win the SEC to get in. I mean, go down the line. There are a lot of big-name teams that are uh, on the bubble, to say the least, or might be on the other side looking in this year. So it's a very different year. Uh, So we'll have plenty of that, too, as we uh, move forward. So stay with us, and we'll see you down the road. Thanks for listening to the Mike Francesa podcast on the Bet Rivers Network. Hey, it's Mike Miss here. What a time to be a Philly sports fan, and you can share the excitement with me each week on the Mike Missinelli Podcast on the Bet Rivers Network. Listen and subscribe to the Mike Missinelli Podcast today, wherever you get your podcasts.